0: When I was working in the corporate world in Tokyo, uh, from time to time after work, I would head out with some of the folks I was working with for a late night dinner or some drinks. As you may know, given the polite and highly restrained nature of Japanese culture, one of the few places where a Japanese businessman can really say what's on his mind and heart is when he's drinking a lot of alcohol. In fact, if he's drunk, he pretty much gets a free pass in terms of what he says. I remember uh, that I would be at the subway station in Tokyo occasionally around midnight, and I would see someone so drunk that his co-workers were standing on either side of him, uh, holding him up literally by his belt and then carrying him onto the subway train. According to a study done by the American Psychological Association, our brains tend to mispredict what will bring us a sense of relief. And so, for example, there are many people who believe that drinking a lot of alcohol or taking drugs will make them feel better or they sense that going on a shopping spree or spending time playing video games, surfing the internet, watching TV or movies for more than two hours will make them feel better. But the data tells us that while these activities may give us a temporary lift because they release some dopamine in our brain, they actually tend to leave us feeling more anxious and even in some cases a little depressed. The American Psychological Association study also points out that ironically, our brains tend to underestimate the activities that can really give us a longer term lift. Uh, these activities include things like exercising, playing sports, going for a walk, gardening, spending time with family, friends. These sound so ordinary. Or praying and meditating. These sound so every day. And part of the reason these activities have a greater power to lift us up for longer is because they're more active and they release serotonin In our brain. But if we believe in God, the activities of prayer and meditation are especially powerfully restorative because they foster an encounter with us, with none other than the living God. And so today, as we continue this little series called Survival Habits for the Soul we're going to be looking at the survival habit of prayerful meditation. Now, I know that some people associate meditation with, say, Catholics or the New Age, or they say it's something that people on the West Coast do in cities like Vancouver and San Francisco, but not sensible people in provinces like Ontario. But meditation is biblical. In the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verse 63, we read that he, that is Isaac, the son of Abraham, went out to the field one evening to meditate. And in the Psalms, as you may know, we are called again and again to meditate on God's word and on God. So, for example, in Psalm 46, 10, God says, be still and know that I am God. And Jesus, in the midst of a very demanding life and ministry, regularly took time in the morning to leave his home and go to a solitary place to pray and meditate. So, meditation, this form of prayer where we're quiet before the Lord in a posture of receptive listening, is biblical. Now, I realize there are some people who believe that if you are quiet before the Lord in a posture of silent meditative receiving and listening, you might be vulnerable to some dark spirit perhaps some demonic influence. When I was a younger boy, uh, growing up here in Metro Vancouver, on Halloween, my siblings and I would go out trick-or-treating. And I remember some adults telling us that if you receive an apple on Halloween as you trick-or-treat, don't bite into the apple because there might be a what embedded in it? A razor blade. So... Whenever we received an apple, we tossed them out, fearing the possible razor blades in the apple. My younger brother grew up and uh, for a while pursued a career as a journalist for the CBC. And while he was in journalism school, he learned that the whole rumor that there might be a razor blade embedded in an apple on Halloween night that would be given to kids was just that. A rumor. As far as we know, there has not been a singular documented case here in Canada where any child on Halloween has received an apple with a razor blade embedded in it. And so our fears over the apples on Halloween were overblown. In fact, the smarties with all that you know, um, food coloring and sugar were more dangerous to our health than the apples. We were throwing away the the healthy stuff. And I think the same is true with meditation. Thomas Keating is considered a master Christian teacher of meditation. And uh, if you want to learn more about this kind of meditative prayer that I'm going to be talking about, you can Google Thomas Keating centering prayer. And you can get some great instruction from Father Thomas Keating. But Thomas Keating says that you are never safer than when you are absorbed in God's presence. Never safer than when you are absorbed in God's presence. And if our intention in meditative prayer is to seek the living God, And to allow his word to guide us, we can trust that God's Holy Spirit will protect us. Today, we're going to be looking at the survival habit of meditation. And if you're following in the book, Survival Guide for the Soul, which was introduced last week, uh, we're on chapter 4. which is entitled, Meditation, Listening to the Music of Heaven. Now, as I also mentioned last week, I'm this very easily distracted kind of person. At any given time, I can feel like there are 136 monkeys jumping around in my head. And so, at some point in the morning, I'll simply take some time to sit and breathe deeply. Breathing in through my nose, And then exhaling slowly. Breathing in through my nose deeply. Exhaling slowly. And then I'll start to wonder how much time has gone by anyway? So I'll reach for my phone, uh, not to check my messages, but to open up a free app called Centering Prayer, which is put out by the Thomas Keating Group. There's a timer that I might set to 15 or 20 minutes and I hit begin, so I'm not thinking about the time. A chime sounds as though I were in a monastery praying and being summoned by a bell. And then after a little while of breathing deeply, I'll start to think of all the things I ought to be doing my to-do list. So I'll reach for my Bible or maybe just go to a passage that I'm familiar with. And I'll take a phrase or maybe even just a word from, say, Isaiah 40. And every time my mind wanders, I'll say the word, wait, as in wait on God. Wait. Breathing in deeply, exhaling slowly. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Breathing in deeply. Exhaling slowly. Be still. And know that I am God. As I mentioned last week, and if I can review here for a moment, uh, I mentioned that uh, I, I live here in Vancouver, and we're not that far from the water. And uh, I talked about how I love being on the water, kayaking or on a friend's sailboat. And there have been times when I've been out at sea, as I spoke of, where um, I've seen salmon jumping out of the water. Rare occasions where I've seen dolphins or whales. And there are times when I am seated in God's presence, and I feel upheld by the beautiful mystery that upholds the whole world and upholds me as well. There have been other times when I've been out at sea when I've seen a styrofoam bobbing up and down on the surface of the water, an empty Coke bottle or some oil. And there are times when I'm sitting in silence and anxiety rises up within me a feeling of frustration or anger, a feeling of envy towards someone, perhaps a painful memory. And I'll lift these up to God in prayer and I'll feel lighter, I'll feel freer. And when the 15 or 20 minutes are done, the chime sounds I slowly open my eyes and I almost always feel more relaxed and throughout the day a little more focused and aware of the presence of Jesus. Meditation for me is the most powerful way to wear the yoke of the Father's love across my shoulders. It is a survival habit of the soul. Now, Jesus, as we saw last week, said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will rest you. Uh, Meditation is a deep form of rest. And as you learn this practice, uh, you will find that it gives you an even deeper rest than, than sleep in some ways, and that it awakens you to a sense of being loved by God. Kelly McGonigal is teacher of psychology at Stanford University, and she points out that if you meditate for between 15 to 20 minutes over four to six weeks, and then we were to do an MRI scan on your brain, the scan would show that the neural networks in your brain associated with feeling anxiety and depression have actually shrunk amazing. And so meditation makes us less depressed and more joyful. And this is especially relevant during this pandemic, as more people are reporting feeling anxious and depressed. Here in the province of British Columbia, where I live, uh, the Blue Cross has reported that before the pandemic, 19% of people here in BC were saying they were concerned about their mental health. But during COVID-19, that number of people concerned about their mental health has jumped from 19% to 52%. What about the province of Ontario? In a recent Ipsos poll, it showed that 62%, 62%, of people in Ontario were more anxious or stressed now during the pandemic than before. And there've been times when I have woken up during this COVID season and I feel melancholy. There've been times when I felt a touch of depression as I've thought about someone in our community who has lost their health because of COVID-19 as I thought about someone who's lost their job. And each morning I, I, I run, I do a little run through our neighborhood, and then I'll engage in some of this meditative centering prayer. And it's not like at the end of this time, I'm always feeling like I'm on top of the world, but I always feel uplifted. I always feel energized. And this practice, has the power to make us less depressed and and, and more joyful, and, and we're called to be joyful in every circumstance. Not that we're always feeling on top of everything, but this is a joy-imparting kind of practice. Meditation is also a practice that can help us better regulate our emotions. And so, again... Uh, MRI scans show that people who regularly meditate have literally a thicker anterior cingulate in their brain. That's the part of our brain that helps to regulate our emotions. Uh, so some time back, uh, I was uh, tutoring our son, who's now 12 years old, uh, in math, and for some reason, he wasn't getting the equation as fast as I was hoping he'd get it. And I was feeling frustrated and, and, and worked up. But I reminded myself, but you meditate. And so I, I wasn't as overly reactively angry as I might have otherwise been. Still, I overreacted and I had to apologize. But this kind of meditative practice makes us less reactively angry as it helps us regulate our emotions and scripture says be like god be slow to anger be patient be abounding in love and so this kind of meditative practice can make us more joyful less reactively angry and amazingly according to the science this kind of meditation can reverse or slow the effects of aging As neuroscientist, Dr. Andrew Newberg, who teaches out of the University of Pennsylvania, points out, along with other scholars. So meditation practice, according to the the neuroscience, helps to make us more resilient to stress. Uh, You've probably heard the expression, maybe you've said it yourself, Uh, Boy, that experience was so difficult. It took years off my life. Uh, That's not just a figure of speech. That can literally happen. But meditation makes us more resilient. Meditation also prevents the deterioration of our telomeres. Our telomeres are the caps at the end of our chromosomes that affect how our cells age they are like the plastic tips at the end of our shoelaces. They, they protect the end of our chromosomes affecting how our cells age. And so um, meditative prayer can make us more joyful, less reactively angry. It can cause us to age more gracefully. And so this practice helps us to be better stewards of our mind Our soul and our body. Better stewards of the great gift that God has given us of our life itself. Now, I realize that some people may think well, isn't meditation really sort of self indulgent? Like, you know, going to get a massage or going to the spa. Nothing wrong with those things, by the way. But I would say, no, meditation isn't self-indulgent and and self-centered because meditation, this kind of practice, also makes us more compassionate. Dr. Hilary McBride is a friend of mine here in Vancouver. She's got a, a PhD in psychology from UBC. She's a clinical counselor. And she has said that if a person meditates for 15 to 20 minutes, a day over four to six weeks, and then a disabled person walks into the room, <laughs> the person who's been meditating will be like a hundred times more likely to respond to that person. If we meditate on a God who is compassionate, we will become more compassionate. If we imagine that God is racist angry and judgmental, and meditate on that kind of pseudo-God. We'll become more racist, angry, and judgmental. But if we meditate on the God we see most fully and perfectly in the face of Jesus Christ, we will grow more compassionate. But of course, the greatest gift of meditation is that it fosters an encounter with the living God. It makes us more joyful, less reactively angry. It helps us age well. It makes us more loving toward others, but it fosters a powerful encounter with the living God as we savor God's presence and luxuriate in God's presence. That is the great gift of meditation. Now, I know some of you are saying that, well, you know, you mentioned setting the Centering Prayer app timer to 15 or 20 minutes. I just don't have 15 or 20 minutes to meditate. Let me say this um, I have found that this kind of meditative prayer is a practice that gives more than it takes. And so on a normal day, uh, maybe 15 or, or 20 minutes of meditation would be enough. But I find that if I'm unusually busy, I've got a very, very full schedule ahead of me in a given day, or if I have a big decision to make or some kind of hard, crucial conversation I need to engage in, then 15 or 20 minutes for me, aren't, the, the, that's not enough. I, I need 50 minutes. I need an hour. And I find that as I sit in the presence of God, that I grow more calm, more centered, more creative, more relaxed, uh, more fierce if I need to be. It's the kind of practice that gives more than it takes. It it fills my reservoir afresh with the Holy Spirit. But if you don't have 15 or 20 minutes, what if you have about 10 minutes? Uh, You might consider using an app like Pray As You Go. It's another free app that I use each morning. And it, over a span of about 10 minutes, will guide you through some sacred music, will introduce some scripture to you, often from the Gospels, and then lead you into a time of guided meditation, all in about or just over 10 minutes. And for some of us who are really easily distracted and find stillness difficult, uh, some of us, and I would put myself in this category, need a kind of trampoline so that we can sort of jump into God's presence. God is with us all the time, of course, but sometimes scripture or some worship music can help orient us, our senses to be more aware of God's presence. What if you only have five minutes to spare? My friend Carol is a social worker and the mother of two young kids. And she wrote me an email about her struggles with meditation and her practice of it. And she allowed me to um, use it in Survival Guide for the Soul. So this is in the meditation chapter on page 82. This is what uh, Carol, this working mother of a couple of young children writes. I am a busy working mom balancing two part-time jobs and two young kids. I have always valued having a schedule and doing things at a predictable time. And I felt like if it, meditation didn't happen before 10:30 PM, it was too late. Mornings are out for me because of our kids and the busyness of our routine. One thing I discovered is that I could go off schedule and engage in some meditation in the middle of my day. Literally between patients or clients, I would give myself five to 10 minutes, close my office door and practice, or I would wait outside one of the kids' lessons and practice in the car. It is extremely centering and re-energizing and clarifies what used to be the haziest part of my day. I think because of my nature, I will always be a busy person but I no longer feel like I have a busy mind. That's great. Carol says, because of my nature, I think I will always be a busy person, but I no longer feel like I have a busy mind. So you can start with 10 minutes or five minutes. And if you don't have that, you can even start with a minute, with a minute. I was, um, Listening to a podcast where a professor of psychology at Stanford was describing how he wanted to get into a little better shape and increase his upper body strength. So, um, whenever he would, uh, I'm going to get a little graphic here, ur- urinate, whenever, when he would pee afterwards, he would um, get down and, and do a couple of push ups. And I thought, well, that's uh, a good place to start. S- uh, you know, a small increment, two push ups. And and he can work up. And if all you have is time for one minute of meditation per day, but you can work up and make that consistent and and gradually build that. One minute probably won't change your life. It won't. Nor will five minutes. But if you can work up, uh, it could be a potentially, truly life-transforming practice. I began this message by talking about how some folks that I know or know of in my uh, country of origin, Japan, try to chill out by getting drunk. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.18 points us to an even better way. He says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And in the, in the original Greek language, uh, the word for spirit, pneuma, is the same word for breath. And as we sit or stand or walk in the Lord's presence and breathe in deeply, we breathe in the very breath, the very spirit of God. And as we Receive anew the Spirit of God. We can say with the Apostle Paul that with unveiled faces we behold the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. May that be so for us. In the name of the Father, the Son,